are listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization here at the Archdiocese of Newark. My name is Jennifer Benke. I'm the Associate Director of the Office, and I'm here with my colleague, my boss, my friend, Father John Gordon. How are you, Father John? I'm great, Jen. As always, it's good to be here. I'm so pleased that we are doing this podcast, Heart of the Ark. I pray often for the listeners that they might be blessed by it and that it might have a wide distributorship so that the word uh, can get out uh, more generously and and fruitfully. So, dear listeners, if you are blessed by this, please pass it on, how helpful this is for you and how fruitful this is. And again, respond in our show notes if you have some ideas for us that would be good for us to talk about in our podcast. Yes. Well, I don't have the ability to respond directly into the show notes yet. We don't have comments, but you can email us and let us know because even I, better if, if even it would be better. even better it would get past the firewalls we'd that's get right. it right. so evangelization at rcan.org that's roman catholic archdiocese of newark.org evangelization at rcan.org would be a great way for uh, any response for you from you encouragements ways which you think it can improve and topics which we'd be very eager to pursue with you yes and we're on facebook and we're on twitter so if you want to shoot us messages there. We'll we'll get them there, but I don't always respond to those quite well. I understand. <laughs> I have other things I do, Father John. Today we are speaking in the month of the Sacred Heart here in the month of June, and this is part of our, uh, a couple of conversations that I've been having already. I spoke earlier in the month to Emily Jaminet, an author, about the ways in which the devotion to the Sacred Heart can help families, especially consecration in their homes, and the ways it can become a school of virtue for families. Um, And my conversation I'm editing right now was with Sister Marie Paul, who is a novice at our cloistered monastery here in the Archdiocese of Newark. She'll be making profession in the summer. And she is taking on the vocation of love in a big way, devoting her life to the Blessed Sacrament and the prayers of on our behalf for the rest of her days. This is the Dominican uh, nuns in Summit, yes? Yes. Sometimes popularly known as the Rosary Shrine? Yes. Great. So, yes, she was, it was a lovely, lovely conversation, and I'm just, it's taking me a little longer to edit that one. Um, They were having a nice expansion as well of interest in vocations and in their work. And I know we've done one or two things with the Office for Evangelization there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, prayer, in terms of the, Our Lady and the Eucharist. So I'm a big fan of the Rosary Shrine Sisters. I'm glad you're able to have that conversation. Yeah, they just had a wonderful Eucharistic procession for Corpus Christi this past weekend that was That's well right. attended. And um, they're doing wonderful things. The sister mentioned that they have 19 nuns there and the average age is in the 30s. So wow, praise God. It's, praise God. It's, it's a blossoming, fruitful monastery. So we're very blessed by their presence here in the Archdiocese of Newark. So today, Father, I thought that uh, we could talk about the Sacred Heart 
and the incarnational aspect of God here in our lives in with a human beating heart. And I thought that perhaps we could discuss some of the ways we express that in scripture and liturgy and the saints traditions. So sure. What do we got? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, we have a God who it, it just is God is and the attribute, the biblical attribute of God that's unique to him is holy and holy means set apart. And so God is completely other. He's not like the us who he has created. He's not like creation at all. He is completely other, but he has created us out of great love. But he's not, he's not just created us, he's entered into this creation by virtue of the incarnation, that is the enfleshment of the second person of the Trinity, Christmas, Annunciation, Christmas, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and all that flows from that. That alone would be magnificent and wonderful to have such a God. But then he promised that he would remain with us even as his earthly life ended. And so the manner in which he has done that in the first place is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. But just before that, he said, go and wait into the wait for the promised gift of the Father. Pentecost comes. So Jesus is present to us via the Holy Spirit, who makes Jesus present to us in the life of the church. And the other way in which Jesus makes us, finds himself uniquely present to us is in the Eucharist, which he gave us on Holy Thursday night, in which he shows us that his abiding presence remains. And so to this day, throughout the world, for 2,000 years, the Blessed Sacrament is celebrated in every Mass, and it is reserved in almost every church uh, and place of prayer where it can be in the tabernacle as a reminder that God is present, and that's the incarnation of the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. He is truly present, uh, body and soul, uh, uh, blood and divinity, the whole reality of Jesus is given to us and this is remarkable. And so this, this reality of, of God uh, making himself known, abiding with us, remaining with us, those who have a devotion to the Eucharistic Lord experience his closeness and his presence and an intimacy. Flowing from that, uh, kind of uh, along with that, is this devotion that's been around since the beginning uh, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. St. John talks about this soldier who pierces the side of Christ, pierces the heart, and out of which flows blood and water. And the Church Fathers have always understood that to be a reference to the two great sacraments of baptism, water, and Eucharist, blood, which flow from the heart of Jesus. And so the heart of Jesus is what gives birth to the Eucharist, what gives birth to the Church. And so we are born like Eve from Adam's side, the church that is. And consequently, therefore, uh, the awareness of the, of the beating heart of Jesus continues just as Jesus resurrected has the wounds of his crucifixion on his body. Thus, he was able to be recognized by the disciples. So in the risen Christ and in the ascended Christ is the human heart of Jesus still beating with passion and love for us. And, and the Eucharist, of course, is that beating heart of Christ uh, in, the, in, the, in the Eucharistic species, body and blood, soul and divinity, the bread and wine now become Jesus' body and blood. And so all of it is wonderfully interconnected. 
and and present. And I think the the other thing that's so magnificent about the incarnation and these incarnational gifts of of drawing us to uh, devotion, uh, the Sacred Heart devotion draws us to intimacy and communion with Christ that the Eucharist also physically and, and demonstrably shows. And so because of this, our relationship with God is not he's way up there and we're way down here. He's so other, we just kind of like hope that we can recognize each other as we pass in the night, but rather he abides with us and remains with us because we are made in his image and likeness in such a way that we can receive that. And so the intimacy, the communion, the fellowship, the strength, and all that fruit of the spirit that we long for is able to be realized. I, I just I think that this truth of incarnation is so tangibly expressed in Eucharist and in the Sacred Heart devotion. Amen. Uh, listeners, I wish you could see Father John's face when he talks about the Eucharist and the Incarnation. He just, he radiates so much joy that it's just, it's contagious. I, I want to say amen and giggle uh, simultaneously just because it's so, it's so contagious, Father. Praise God. Uh, praise God. So um, one of the things that, speaking with Emily, she mentioned something I'd never heard before. And now I've read the life of Margaret Mal Mary Alacock. I have it right here on the on the console here. And um, But St. Gertrude, before her, had a devotion to the Sacred Heart. It, she was not able to promote it in the same way, but she saw that um, in her visions of St. John, that he had at the Last Supper, you know, they were reclining at table, he had placed his head on, you know, like you're putting your head on your older brother's chest, he had placed his head on that beating heart of Jesus and heard that divine heartbeat. And she had received this message of that divine heartbeat being so overwhelmingly, it beats for the world, it beats for all of us. And that, like when she was speaking with that, when we were on Zoom, I was just, I, I saw the joy in her face as well when we think about that heartbeat beats for every single one of us. And because the Eucharist is Christ fully present, now dwelling within me, <laughs> his heart beats with my heart. Yes. You know, there's wonderful stories of people who um, have lost a loved one, but the loved one donated their heart in an organ donation. Mm -hmm. And the person to whom the heart was donated, they feel a great kinship with that. I, I, every so often you see on YouTube or things like that, you know, um, some a bride whose dad had passed away, but his heart was given to somebody else. And that man came to the wedding and she could hear her dad's heartbeat in this stranger's yes. chest. And how what joy that gave her, mm -hmm. what joy that, that brought to her that her dad was present in some way. And, and that's just a, a small human thing. It's beautiful, it's lovely, but the reality of God's heart beating in us uh, is so much more powerful and dramatic. So it's not just that I can listen to God's heartbeat, like John the like John the Beloved, uh, or I can, but my heart can somehow echo and keep time with Christ's heart. And indeed, that's what I'm supposed to do. The, the, the Eucharist is given to us, the Holy Spirit's been given to us, that I can become like Christ, I can be conformed to Him, and be like him, that's the call to holiness, but then I can also do what he did, which is the call to mission. And again, that's where the Sacred Heart and the Eucharist are so powerfully important for us because it's the power we need, the strength that we need, the vision that we need to be able to go out and proclaim. 
And let's be honest, we live in a world and in a time that mocks the kingdom of God, that mocks the values that we hold so very, very dear, and that uh, trivializes what we think is important. And so uh, the, and one of the aspects of the devotion to the Sacred Heart, which I think is sometimes forgotten, but perhaps uh, a good time to remind ourselves of it, is the sense of mourning and weeping on the people of God's part for the sins, as it were, against the Sacred Heart, sins against the holiness of God, the sins that mock the truth of God. And there's plenty out there, besides the ones in our own heart, there's plenty out there as well. And, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Those persons who might be perpetuating those kinds of things aren't the enemy. But, and therefore the solution isn't merely political or uh, whatever, though I'm not saying there's no role to that play, but the real solution is it's a spiritual problem, it's a spiritual solution. Yes. And the victory is going to be found in the sacred heart of Jesus. Then just as an aside, we can save this maybe for another time, but when you join that to the notion of the Immaculate Heart of Mary yes. and to the pure heart of St. Joseph, the Holy Family, well, friends, you've got a uh, you've got a heart attack coming <laughs> along, you know, in, in a great sense of uh, the heart that, that attacks against the devil and that proclaims the truth of freedom and, and life, which is what a heart is about, life. Absolutely. I love that idea that even even us on the inside of the church need our hearts always to continue to conform closer to Christ's heart. It reminds me of the prayer of Padre Pio, stay with me. Mm. After we take the Eucharist in, even Padre Pio needed to say, because I'm weak and I fall, I stray so far away from you, right? Like those, even our, our the people that we know, we don't know, have many sure things, but when the church says you went straight to heaven, we know that our big saints, big ass saints went straight to heaven. So when Padre Pio says, because I'm weak and I'm so far stray from thee, we know that we need to pray as well. So later on in at the end, perhaps we can say the litany and then we can say this prayer of reparation, which is a big word and it has different meanings in different contexts, but it comes from the Catholic Church as a repaying for a wrong done here in the now, in the spiritual sense, we repay because we we hold those sins of ourselves and we hope the people around us in the culture by our own prayers closer to God's will. Because God has given the power binding and loosing to the church, this is not merely some kind of like a childish little, oh, I hope uh, mommy or daddy are pleased with what we're doing now. This really makes a difference. Yes. And because God is the author of time, it can make a difference about things that happened in the past or with the, who knows how that is applied. That's I leave that up to the big boss yes. to figure that out, you know. <laughs> but I think I think you're right. I think there's, a, there's a, a way in which the reality of mourning and weeping for my own sins as well as for the sins of others. You know, I, I become more aware recently of, of sin, my own as, as well as others. And sometimes it can be so overwhelming that you don't know how to respond. And, you know, the worldly response is to punish punish people and to kind of get at them and the like. But the truth of the matter is the biblical response to any kind of catastrophe that befell the people of God was always to repent. 
and not just repent for their own personal sins, but to repent for the sins that we have as a nation or as a people. And so I think, you know, even if uh, any of our listeners who would stay on this podcast with us and join us in this prayer, um, it's not really my, well, I don't need to pray that because I don't, I don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I don't blaspheme the Sacred Heart. I'm kind of, I honor God with my life and praise God, I'm thrilled. I hope we all do that. But there are so many others who do not. Right. And to repent for them in a certain sense. And again, binding and loosing, Lord, however he applies it. But I'm so glad for those who prayed for my conversion mm-hmm. that I'm not going to stop and therefore not pray for somebody else's as well. Absolutely. You know, I've said this before, you know, the rosary for me when I was growing up, even though I'm a cradle Catholic, the rosary was for old ladies, you know, and the sacred heart was an image on my Aunt Judy. Uh, hi, Aunt Judy. Hi, Aunt Betty. Um, they're the only ones who listen to podcasts. No, 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 I'm just kidding. But <laughs> um, they're their houses, their walls had these images of the Sacred Heart and my parents had the images of the Sacred Heart and I didn't really get it until I was asked to start to lead a sung adoration as a part of a novena to the Sacred Heart. And so I came into the devotion through the liturgy and through the scriptural sense of what the Sacred Heart is and and doing a large feast day, feast mass, because it was the patronal feast of the the parish where I was serving, we could do the high mass of the Sacred Heart. And through those, it pulled me in. And so we were doing these devotions and we we say the prayer of consecration and we say the prayer of reparation. And the words were just so foreign to my brain. I what am I saying? Do I really believe this? And that, you know, that sifting through of saying the words and like, I'm, I'm consecrating myself to something. Do I really? It takes several years for it to really sink in. I think I did the Novena to the Sacred Heart for over a decade, once every June. And it took that time in my heart for this devotion to blossom. And through the Sacred Heart has my Eucharistic amazement, my Eucharistic devotion really grown. Because again, I always grew up with the Eucharist. I, I had a fondness for it. I had a longing for it every Sunday. But, you know, the Sacred Heart of Jesus has really pulled me into a much stronger relationship where that, that beating heart of Jesus is, is sometimes almost in my ears at the at the mass i can almost hear heaven right you know that's such a you mentioned that the the image of the sacred heart and 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 judy and Aunt betty's home whatever and i remember also we, there was a, a image of the sacred heart right in the little foyer in the back of the house and um it, i didn't think anything of it you know it's just what we did and i guess other homes i saw had it too and i thought nothing of it but it's one of those promises you know talk about this incarnational reality that there's a tra- tradition of promises associated with the Sacred Heart or the Nine First Fridays. One of them is that where the home in which the Sacred Heart, an image of the Sacred Heart is enthroned, will be safe and protected. Yes. And and again, this is part of the incarnational. It's very, very fleshy, having a, an image and hanging it on the wall or some way in which we put it on a, on a, on a table like this. It's, it's enthroned. It's, it's given prominence and honor. And I think that's one thing that our homes ought to do. Somehow our homes, if we're called to be, as a family, the domestic church, that somehow our home should ought to express it. And I'm not saying your home should become a shrine, the place where you live. You you cook, you eat, you love, you fight, you do all the stuff that grow that life is and the, the family is such a school, but it ought to be also a place of prayer and therefore a domestic church and things like 
um, the Sacred Heart enthroned or other kinds of uh, other kinds of images, a crucifix, and those kinds of things are always such great, powerful incarnational signs yes. of of the nearness of God and the presence of God, and that's just so absolutely wonderful. Yes, uh, Emily spoke about enthroning the images of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary in your home. So if you want more information, those are in the links to that show a couple right. episodes yep. ago. But I'd like to go through those twelve promises because I have I didn't discuss them with anybody else. So I'm just going to read them. Right. And they're a little bit out of order because such am I. Such a little bit out of order, Father. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Pray for me. So these are the 12 <laughs> promises of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that were given to St. Margaret Mary Alacoc. So the first one is, I will give to my faithful all the graces necessary in their state of life. That is backed up by 2 Corinthians Three times did I beg the Lord about this, that it, my weakness, might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient unto you. The second promise of the Sacred Heart, I will bring peace to their homes. And that comes from Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, folks, we'll put all these promises and the scripture references in the show notes yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. The third is I will comfort them in all their sufferings. And that comes from John 16. You are now in anguish, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. And number four, I will be their safe refuge against all the snares of their enemies in life and above all in depth. And that's from Psalm 94. When my anxious thoughts multiplied, your comfort filled my soul with joy. And number five, I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. Luke, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Philippians, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. The sixth promise, sinners shall find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. Psalm 112, he shines a light for the upright in the darkness. Kindness, mercy, and justice are his hallmarks. And Luke, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, number seven, this is where I get a little off. My seven, eight, and nine are a little out of order, so apologies. Number seven, fervent souls shall mount to high perfection. Strive to be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect from the book of Matthew. And again, in Matthew 19, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give your money to the poor and then come and follow me. Number eight, I will bless every home in which an image of my heart will be honored. That's book of Matthew, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's also the Alleluia sentence for the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Promise nine, tepid souls shall become fervent. That's from Psalm 69. It is for your sake that I endure reproach and that shame covers my face. Zeal for your house consumes me. Promise number 10, I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. Second Corinthians five says we are ambassadors for Christ since God is appealing to you through us. Promise number 11, those who promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart, never to be effaced. From the book of John, whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. And finally, the 12th promise of the Sacred Heart. To all of those who receive communion on the first Friday of the month for nine consecutive months, I will grant the grace of final repentance. 
That's from Revelation 2. To anyone who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. I mentioned this before. Uh, my son, my 16-year-old son, made it to nine first Fridays and ended on this past Friday at the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart. And when back when he started in October, it was just a, okay, I'm going to Mass today, Mom. And I was like, great. You know, when I was growing up, it was very typical in the Catholic schools, uh, grammar schools, that we would go to Mass as a school on the first Fridays of the month. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the school year is nine or ten, ten months, and so, therefore, you're likely to do the first Fridays. And and uh, I've always been uh, encouraged by them. Again, these are very incarnational, you know, fleshy kind of things. And, of course, that, that tenth promise about uh, priests being able to touch hardened hearts. Um, you know, the role of the priest in terms of the Eucharist, um, uh, you know, Pope St. John Paul II says that the, pr the priesthood and the Eucharist were born together, mm. you know, on that Holy Thursday night. And so there's such an intimacy, intimate link there. And, and as a priest, we're called to, um, in a particular way, kind of image Christ, image the Good Shepherd, image the groom, and so that the, the church, the bride, can come into intimacy. As an individual, I am called also to be church, and therefore the bride. As a priest, I'm called to be groom and, and stand uh, in persona Christi. But I think there's a way in which one of the things that has happened, I think it was Pope St. John Paul II who linked the feast, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart with the World Day of Prayer for the Sanctification of Priests. And, uh, oh, friends, we need it. Please pray yes. for your priests. Pray for this one as well for other <laughs> priests that you know. Uh, pray for our cardinal and all the auxiliary bishops. And uh, pray that um, all the priests would have the desire to touch those hardened hearts. Yes. Have the desire to be out there uh, in the, uh, smelling like the sheep, as Pope Francis has said, so that uh, the, the people might have come to close contact. I remember when I was a seminarian, I had uh, been to, I went to uh, Paris-le-Monial, which is where St. Margaret Mary Alacoque had her visions of the Sacred Heart mm. and received those promises. And so there's a great uh, a shrine there, a great place there. It was, I think it's manned by Emmanuel Community, and I was visiting with them uh, at the time. And so uh, I was there for a retreat, and uh, at one point we broke up into groups and we are praying with each other. And I've had people pray over me a gazillion times over the years, uh, but some, a, few, and a handful of them have kind of remained with me. And I remember being out outdoors, some kind of meadowy, fieldy area at this shrine in Paris-le-Monial in France, southern France. And they prayed with me, and one of, the, one of the persons had a word that the Blessed Mother will guard and protect your vocation. Mm. And it was a very important time because I was preparing for deacted ordination later on that year. Um, and that's when we make a commitment to celibacy at deacted ordination. And I just knew that I needed to have a woman in my life. You know, <laughs> it's not good for the man to be alone. And I knew the woman was to be Mary, but I didn't know how that was to be. You know, how could this be? I do not know. You know <laughs> I do not know woman. <laughs> to paraphrase somebody, we know. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, for me, all these things kind of weave together. Again, incarnation. Mary is central and key to the incarnation. It's her yes, which is our yes as well. Be it done unto me according to your word. Um, do whatever he tells you. So all this wonderful stuff kind of converges. And so as we celebrate the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, and, and that's 
uh, you know, dear friends, uh, the Sacred Heart, thanks be to God, is still on the Friday because it's connected to Christ on the cross and this heart being pierced, which I think is the gospel for that day. Yes. It's a solemnity, which means it looks like a Sunday, liturgically speaking. There's a Gloria, there's a Creed, there's three readings. Um, so it's a big, big deal. And so I want to encourage you to consider going to Mass that day. Pray for a, an increased devotion to the Sacred Heart for yourself, for your family, for those you love and care for. Please take the opportunity to pray for priests, for our sanctification, for our holiness, because our gift, our role as priests um, is to serve the priesthood of all the baptized. So um, it, I want to be holy so that I can, so that you can be holy. And um, that's going to get us all to heaven. Yes. Thanks be to Amen. God. You know, Amen. We don't go to heaven alone. No, no. And, you know, you guys have a added burden with where which direction you're going and how many you're taking with you. So exactly um, right. your prayers, all prayers uh, yeah. for our priests. I pr we pray for in our family every night for our priests. And you're included, Father John. Um, but all, all of our priests need prayers. And just... Um, you know, especially also those of us who work in ministry, if um, sometimes we're so busy on a Sunday doing doing that we forget to be mm -hmm. with God. And sometimes our priests are trying to be fathers for everyone, especially on Sundays and just giving them your prayers at any time during the week, especially Fridays as they prepare their hearts for the busy weekend, just to give them that grace of your prayers. Prayer really does work. Anybody who tells you it doesn't is selling you something that doesn't work. So <laughs> prayer is the only thing that works. Even Cardinal Tobin just said that in his most recent letter. Yeah. We all need to pray. <laughs> so I, I think that too, that all this, you know, back to the very beginning comments that you were making about the this incarnational aspect of the Sacred Heart, the Eucharist, especially in this time of Eucharistic revival, um, all this kind of comes together uh, in such a way that the reality that these devotion and this truth presents to us, the Eucharist, the priesthood, the Sacred Heart, are very near to us, dear friends, very near to us, dear listeners. Uh, everyone can touch them. Everyone can be touched by them. This is not something that is far away. There's a line in the Old Testament where it says, what people can say their God is as close to us as our God is to us. No one can say it more than we can no. because of the incarnation. Christ abides with us. He didn't just say, well, I'm going to come and visit with a while, stay 30-something years and do my thing, and then, thank God, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm peace. done. You know, I'm right. done. You'll be on your own. <laughs> exactly. See you in 2,000 years or whenever. No, he continues to abide. I am with you always, he yeah. says. And I love that word always because it doesn't just mean uh, forever, but also means in every way possible. Yes. All ways. All in every all way. Exactly. Exactly. So, Lord, you know, as we invoke your sacred heart, as we offer a prayer of reparation, for example, we just want to unite ourselves to your victory, to your mercy, to your kindness. You know, one of the um, promises was about mercy. And mm -hmm. of course, I'm thinking, well, divine mercy image mm -hmm. is a reflection of the sacred heart. It is. Because they, those rays come from the heart of Christ. So, so St. Faustina, her vision is on the same line of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, you know, and St. Gertrude is all on that same. Isn't it interesting how how God has given such clarity about his heart 
two women. Mm. I just think that there's a way in which that affective aspect of Jesus, affective aspect of the incarnation, is part of the feminine genius. A manly approach tends to be a focus on efficiency, on getting things done, building something, all of which is wonderful and necessary. But the feminine genius uh, seems to be much more about uh, the home, the hearth, as well as the heart. And those affective aspects, which are just as important, and this, I think it's remarkable that the the images of, of the Sacred Heart and all that that provides for us, as powerful as they are, have been uniquely gifted to us through these female, these women saints. Well, I appreciate that, Father. Thanks. You're right <laughs> up there, Ted. I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm going to. No, um, I was helping clean out, a uh, unfortunately, a convent that no longer has sisters in every single cell had an image of the sacred heart in it nice. for the women, for the, the nuns that inside of there. Yeah, yes. that, And I think that maybe part of that is that uh, women tend to be better listeners. So we're listening for the heart. Oh, did you say something? Yes, right. We're listening <laughs> for that heartbeat. And we're much more in tune with the heartbeats of our beloveds, our children and our spouses. That's something that brings us that comfort, that closeness of a heartbeat. Right. Well, I can't imagine, uh, especially for, for those who are mothers, uh, what it's like to have another heart beating within yourself. You know, it's one of the ways in which, uh, especially long before sonograms, that we knew that there was... They could, the doctors could hear a heartbeat. Right. And one of the ways that they knew they had twins if they could hear two heartbeats. Right. Type of thing. <laughs> yes. You know? And and so I think that, that, again, there's just an extraordinary notion of, you know, right below the heart is, is that womb, you know, where another living being comes and is presented uh, to us. And again, the gift of, of male and female that brings that together, but that nurturing aspect, we need our dads as well. I, I always love the story of uh, mom and dad watching Junior at the beach. So mom is watching Junior at the beach and a wave is about to come. So what does mom do? She gets up and runs. As she takes to pull him out of the water yep. because she loves Junior and wants him to be safe from the wave now. Dad is watching Junior at the beach. Let me say a few things. Dad loves Junior no less, and he's just as attentive as the mom. What does he do? He lets Junior get hit by the wave. You can take it. You can take it. He wants to make him stronger. If he can't, he'll push it. He'll pull him out. He's not going to leave him there. But moms love us to kind of cuddle us and protect. Dads love us to make us strong. Mm-hmm. Mom says, when are you going to come home? I'll cook your favorite meal. I'll bring your dirty laundry. <laughs> Dad says, when are you going to get your own place? <laughs> you know, and we need them both. We yes. need them both, you know. Yes. But I think that the sacred heart, just as the Eucharist in one sense, because of the outward expression of it, and the, the clergy, the priesthood needs to needs to show that forth as a, as a man, as, a, as Christ giving us something. So the Sacred Heart has this almost a feminine aspect to it in terms of the receiving of that and the, just the beating love of that. So I think it's remarkable, again, incarnational, neither male nor female, but in a sense, both. Yes, yes. And one, one of the things, folks, when I put the 12 promises up, I'll put up some images that I collected from all over the world of 12 different, from cultural representations of the sacred heart. Is that heart. where you've been? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sometimes she's just not here, and now I know she's all over the world collecting images no. of the sacred heart. <laughs> no, That's <I'm> just, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but I think that um, the ways in which, you know, if you consider putting up a, a picture of the sacred heart, find the one that speaks to you 
and your family, because I guarantee there are more images of Jesus and the, gl- the glowing heart with inflamed and the, the crown of thorns than you can imagine. If you Google it, you can find these images too. And one of them will just hit you right in the heart and say, that's the one I want. Maybe you can get one of those frames that is a digital frame, it has the pictures rotating, yes. and they all be different images of the Sacred Heart. Hey, you could do that. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really cool. Okay, so in conclusion, I think we're, we've gotten to where we need to be. I was hoping that we could pray together part of the, this novena to the Sacred Heart, which includes the litany that you'll lead us in, Father, and then I will pray this act of reparation, which has big words in it, but it really speaks to all of the ways in which we need to look inside for the things that we've done to distance ourselves from the, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but also the ways in which our, maybe our culture or the ways in which our society around us is continuing to distance itself from this loving, overwhelming beating heart of God. God is love. Amen. God Amen. is love. Thank and that's, you, God. That's all Thank we you, need Lord. for the month of the Sacred Heart. God is love. Amen. And again, uh, on the show notes, we'll have a link to the litany and to the act of reparation yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. And so, friends, please just join us in prayer if you like, or just listen, whatever serves you best. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven. Have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world. Have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, Son of the Eternal Father. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, substantially united to the Word of God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus of infinite majesty. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, sacred temple of God. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, tabernacle of the Most High. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, house of God and gate of heaven. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, fountain of life and holiness. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, propitiation for our sins. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, loaded down with opprobrium. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, bruised for our offenses. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, obedient to death. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, pierced with a lance. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, source of all consolation. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our life and resurrection. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, our peace and reconciliation. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, victim for our sins. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, salvation of those who trust in you. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, abode of justice and love. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, full of goodness and love. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, abyss of all virtues. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, most worthy of all praise. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, king and center of all hearts. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom dwells the fullness of divinity. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, in whom the Father was well pleased. Have mercy on us. 
Heart of Jesus, of whose fullness we have all received. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, desire of the everlasting hills. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, patient and most merciful. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, enriching all who invoke you. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, hope of those who die in you. Have mercy on us. Heart of Jesus, delight of all the saints. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Jesus, meek and humble of heart. Make my heart like unto thine. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, look upon the heart of your most beloved Son and upon the praises and satisfaction which he offers you in the name of sinners. And to those who implore your mercy, do you of your great goodness grant forgiveness in the name of the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you lives and reigns world without end. Amen. Amen. In the act of reparation. O heart of Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, Behold us prostrate before your altar, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts, we humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you their shepherd and leader, or, renouncing the vows of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty in unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violation of Sundays and holy days and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are everywhere subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love, and lastly, for the public crimes of nations who resist the right and teaching authority of the church which you have founded. Would, O divine Jesus, we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer, in reparation for these violations of your divine honor, the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father on the cross and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth. And we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life of unwavering faith, of purity, of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our ability to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may one day come to that happy home 
where you, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, live and reign, God, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon, we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at Heart of the Ark. Fireside.fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E R I C, Hunter, H U N T E R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.